Lingua Podcast live from Dessau is broadcast from Middle Deutschland and features all things languages. The show is hosted by our teachers, presenting students and guests from all walks of language learning experiences. Joining us today for our next episode of Enlingua Podcast live from Dessau is Henrik. Henrik is a bookworm and an art connoisseur, and we excitedly welcome him with us today. Hi, Scott. Nice to meet you. Hey, Henrik. No, I'm really happy that you decided to come in. You are the second guinea pig from the Hamilton class. Yes, in the Hamilton class, are you? (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, thank you so much. So, Henrik, before we start talking about you, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your English language learning experiences? Yes, I can. Probably I can't tell you so much. I learned English at school. Okay. This was the second language we had to learn. The first was Russian, and in opposite to Russian, I keep more English words than Russian words Mm -hmm. in my mind. And to the time we learned English, there were not enough teachers for English at school. So there were a translator hired for us, and she did it pretty well, but she was not a teacher. And we were pretty tricky and loud in the classroom. (laughs) And (laughs) and so probably... She regretted it to teach us, uh, but it was the start, the start of learning English. And afterwards, I interrupted it for years, really for years. And sometimes, yeah, I regretted it also not to be better in English, but then a few occasions in my life. um, So I started again just by using, by using this language and then from time to time I joined a class. But I usually learn a language very cumbersome. It is so... It's really hard. Okay. If I remember on Russian, and I really failed in Russian, <laughs> I can say, <laughs> unfortunately, and probably uh, English is more related to German, and the contact with English is much more if you see other advertisement or on a demonstration everybody is holding an, an something in English okay. and, and I ask myself why is everything in English <laughs> and uh, there is sometimes no way you have to go along with this language Okay. so what happened Okay, after high school what did you do after high school I learned the profession I'm a bookbinder And afterwards, I worked in a conservation workshop for a long time, and I also studied in this field. And so, and so go on my lifetime or my professional career. Mm -hmm. Even the word career is (laughs) in German uh, misunderstanding. You can say just like in a curriculum vitum in this way. Okay. I always worked in this field your CV. Yeah. Did you need English for that job profession? Not really. Not really. Uh, accidentally, yes, but not really. But uh, nowadays, if you look at the uh, professional magazines, they are uh, in many cases written in English. Mm-hmm. And this makes it difficult if you want or have to follow uh, some development so you should have a, s- a certain level okay. of English. But, of course, I don't not care so much about uh, the newspaper or the magazines, but I get it known that it is like it is. Okay. Tell our audience, uh, what is a bookbinder? Yes, a, a bookbinder is someone who binds books. Usually he get his... Uh, orders from the print from the printery or he get his orders if he has to repair an old book from private customers and this is an old an old uh, craftsman job but in nowadays it's getting more and more rarely you can say it 
Yes, they were in the GDR time much more private bug binders at the market than now. The market is getting uh, smaller and smaller. You buy things, you read it and you throw it away. You don't keep it for a long time because you always have the chance to buy it a new or a new book or a new version. And of course, more or less uh, things are printed not on paper, are printed on a digital media. Right. Can you tell our audience, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the place where you work? I work in Dessau for the State Archive of Sachsen-Anhalt. And the State Archive of Sachsen-Anhalt is situated in four different towns in Sachsen-Anhalt. And one of these town, towns is Dessau. Our main office is in Magdeburg. Mm -hmm. And in Dessau we keep a lot of documents and we have a rich collection of documents relating the principality and duchy and free state of Sachsen-Anhalt. Mm -hmm. Yes, they can be uh, more than 10,000 years old and include charters as well as governmental files, maps, photography, and even digital data. Okay. Yes, and they are open for the public. And if you like, you can research by in various ways. First, it is useful to research it in internet mm -hmm. to get the first idea because of the most records are already in the database. But if you have problems or if you can't reach your aim by searching on this way, you can also ring up the staff mm -hmm. at the archive and request for more information or for help to find what you want to get. Okay. And then you can also use our reading room and research the original documents in the reading room. Can people check out documents or they can only read them in the reading room? They can, always, they can only read it in the reading room. Okay. It's not allowed to take something at home. At home. Okay. So I can't walk out with a 14th century document? No, it's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> you will get some trouble. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I cross my fingers. Okay. Don't do it. <laughs> Just sitting down and read. Okay. I can do that. So now you're working with historical texts, with historical yeah, documents. That's true. Historical books that need your expertise and how to repair them, how to, how to rebind them. Have you always worked with delicate historical old manuscripts and books or no? Not all the time. Uh, it can be a misunderstanding if you think as older a book or a file is, as more brittle it is. That's not true. There are special time or production soon concerning um, paper making industry where you have a good or bad quality. Mm -hmm. And in this way, our work is organized. So if you have a really old book, maybe from the 16th, 17th, 18th century, it is usually in a pretty good condition. But if you have paper, which is a paper, which is uh, produced in the modern way from the middle of the 19th century onwards, so you will find that this kind of paper getting brittle and the time of aging is uh, pretty far. Faster. It's pretty faster. Okay. So it starts to deteriorate in a smaller period than all the paper which are made in the time before 1850. So the paper production 400 years ago or 500 yeah. years ago has better quality yeah, than the true. paper in the last 150 years. Yeah. That's true. Why is that? Why it's that? Uh, usually paper, you would say today it's a recycling. Paper is a typical recycling product. And it was made by fibers, and these fibers are uh, connected to your cloths, mm -hmm. uh, part of your cloths. Paper is made of old, used 
crafts. This is, the, this is the traditional way. But as more people could read and write, as uh, higher the need of paper get, and then you looked for a substitute of this kind of fibers, because fibers from the cloths are limit. Okay. And so in the 19th century, step by step, there were wood invented as a, a producer or as the basic for the fiber for the paper industry. At first, the wood, in, in, in one kind, you can separate the fiber in a just mechanical way. Mm -hmm. In German, we called it Holzschliff. In English, I don't know the special word. Or, or via a chemical process okay. to isolate the fibers from the stick or a wooden sink mm -hmm. where it is connected. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is called cellulose at the end. Or Zellstoff. Zellstoff is the product, the produce, yeah, the product you get at the end. And from Zellstoff you can make paper. Zellstoff is isolated cellulose fibers, for example, for a wood. Mm -hmm. And these fibers in the traditional way or in the traditional chemical way had contact with some acid and this is damaging the fiber for the next or for his lifetime and then you have to glue the paper if you have an unglued paper you can't write on it with a fountain pen mm -hmm. it's like a blotting paper mm -hmm. it will suck your uh, ink your ink mm -hmm. in and therefore you have to glue the paper before using as a writing paper and this glue contains also a special amount of acid okay so now in our days these problems are known and the industrial way are changed are changed in a more chemical neutral way of producing mm -hmm. but the idea of changing is not to make the paper longer lasting the idea was or the point was that paper industry or producing of zellstoff is always a environmental harming process okay so in the way we produce at the moment paper there will be a void to insert too much damaging damaging chemicals in the environment. Okay. You need a lot of water to produce cellstoff and paper and it would be the best way to avoid to put for example acids or other chemical things in a high amount in the process so you do not need it to remove it afterwards. Mm. Or yeah. In your time when you was a child mm -hmm. Uh, the paper was always produced in a in the new modern way, but the paper is as a recycling product is a typical recycling product. You can also call it downcycling. Okay. Yeah, you can make paper from paper, but on every recycling, the fibers getting shorter and shorter mm -hmm. until the fibers can't link each other again, and so you have to add some fresh fibers which are long and strong and give the stability. Mm -hmm. So recycling of paper comes to an end because it is downcycling. Okay. Let's go back real quick and talk about the fabric paper. Are you talking about textiles, like fabric from wool, like from sheep? No, uh, especially from wool, it's not possible or not really. You can... Uh, Add a little, but the, the the normal ones is from linen mm -hmm. and from cotton. Okay. Yeah, but cotton is not not used in the 14th century. This is just linen. Cotton comes from the new world. Okay. What is linen? I don't even know what it is. You have to pick it up. Linen. 
Yeah, linen is linen, but yeah. it, what material is it? Baumwolle, cotton is uh, linen is, is a fiber which is growing. Okay. Uh, flux. We have. Is it like a plant? It's a plant. Okay. Yeah. So it's natural. Yeah. Not coming from a sheep. No. Okay. It's it's, it's not wool. It's ah. not wool. Wool is hair. Right. Uh, it's organic. Uh, wool is more. Uh, so protein and fat and such things. Okay. But but linen is just fibers made of cellulose. Wool doesn't contain cellulose. So the the books from the 16th century and the 17th century, those that paper is primarily made from linen. Yes, of course. And the quality is 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 better than what we have today. Yeah, it had much more chances to survive. The only enemy this kind of material has is mold, mm -hmm. and mold can be happen if you uh, keep it in a bad climate condition okay. or a bad climate environment, it means too wet and too warm. Okay. Then mold will appear and start to deteriorate to eat. Uh-huh, like in my bathroom shower. <laughs> for example, for example, yes, of course, in your bathroom, it can be in some corners a little... Uh, more wet mm -hmm. but but mushrooms like to have a substrate and to live on this substrate and to eat it at the end okay okay interesting so what is the oldest manuscript that you have worked with in the archives oh i'm not sure maybe 14th century um our most valued things are documents which are written on parchment. Parchment is a really, really stable material and it can durate over centuries if it stay in a not too bad climate. It's really, really stable. And yeah, uh, parchment, if you look at the history of parchment, it has some parallels to the to the paper parchment is really wealthy because every animal has just one skin mm -hmm. and the skin was used for making a leather parchment making shoes of the leathers and other things mm -hmm. and so it was so wealthy so you needed a substitute for parchment and so the paper making started okay originally it comes from asia from china mm -hmm. and it yeah it went over the arabic uh, peninsula yeah peninsula to italy for example fabriano fabriano was a center of paper making industry and then it walked over the <laughs> over the alps and in the in Germany or in a German speaking area, I think it was in the 14th century, about the year of 1390, when Ullmann Stromer bought a mill and afterwards he turned this mill in a paper mill. Okay. It was near Nuremberg. Interesting. And yes, yes. It, it was it was a tradesman. It was a tradesman. He went a lot of time over the Alps to Italy and he got note of. The, the manufacturing of paper mm -hmm. in Italy and so he took the idea of producing probably with someone else maybe he hired a craftsman to introduce it in, in Germany So what do you think paper was first used for in Germany? For writing For writing Writing things Letters or books or manuscripts or notes or Usually, constitutions. Usually for books. Uh, if you look at people who could read and write, this were usually uh, monks. Monks who writed or to copied, copied religious texts, mm -hmm. the Bible, whatever, and sacred text. Yeah, sacred text, and in the towns or in larger towns. Um, there were, the, were written documents or written, how do you s um, 
like bills. Invoices. Invoices and other things. Transactions for businesses, trade. For, yes, for example. Yes, it, it's uh, using paper is always fixed on um, on the aim you want you, you, you want to do with, with that. For example, copying books or writing down maybe bills mm -hmm. or reports if some if the uh, the town major is meeting um, other authorities in this town mm -hmm. or from other towns so you write down what he had spoken or such things so in the 13th century in modern day germany or what alphabet were they using they're using all these the latin alphabet mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of texts are written in latin it depends uh, if the texts are in a more in a secular environment mm -hmm. or in a more religious environment right. in a religious environment the language was latin in a more secular environment you read in the language you had spoken in, okay. in German or in the, in the German dialects who are spoken in this time. And we, we know the example after Martin Luther has translated the Bible in German. Mm -hmm. The Germans <laughs> come together by uh, overtaking this language which they are listening on every Sunday in the church. So it has a high influence, this translation of the developing the German language. Even if it's German written, and even I could read it, or I would say the transcription, sometimes you can't read it so easily mm -hmm. because our language uh, changed a lot okay. from this time onwards. Mm -hmm. It's in English the same. Yeah. In Shakespeare English, uh, <laughs> probably... Shakespeare English is easier to understand than the, than the English we are we are speak now. Okay. Yes. And in this time, uh, we, we we still can uh, Shakespeare still know like do we in German have do right. thou yeah right. brother you are thou right. So we are could be more familiar, but now we are from the Queen <laughs> until the baby. Everybody everybody would say you. The more formal way. Okay. What's the latest? What are you working on right now? What document or what what time period are you working on right now? Oh, at the moment I have a file, mm -hmm. just sing single sheets. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something between, uh, I I think, ninety thirty seven. Mm -hmm. It's high interesting and it's really really damaged. It's really moldy. So the paper is deteriorated, and I have the paper to cover from both sides with a with a small, we call it Japanese paper, to to strengthen it. There's not other chance. If you turn the page, it can happen that the page will broke or tear. Will will break or tear? Okay. Oh, break. That's right, because it could break. Yeah, right. It it could break, and and we we can't offer. This file in this condition to mm -hmm. a user, to a user or okay. to a reader, and so we are requested to repair it before. How many files do you have in your stock that are in need of repair? Is it hundreds? Is it thousands? Usually, we count it not in in, in single items. Uh -huh. We count it in meters. Okay, yes, how yeah. many meters? <laughs> how many meters of work do you have to do? <laughs> oh, how many meters? How many kilometers of work do you have to do? Yeah, you can count the running meter with about seven thousand until eight thousand leaves. It's depend of the thickness of the paper. Okay, it's a approximately number. So, how long does it take you? <laughs> to restore one meter <laughs> typically typically how many how many man hours is it i mean it's, it it takes uh, weeks right months yes, it takes years uh, yeah uh, 
It's so meticulous. Yes, I, I, I notice questions and it's always difficult to find the proper answer. You have to be the most patient person in the world. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, you have to be patient and, and such things. And But at the end, we have so many files. So we have always to look for economical point of view. Mm -hmm. It means we have to decide which papers or for which paper could be a mass deassification enough and for which paper we uh, has we have to go deeper or we have to do more Aufwand. effort mm -hmm. put more effort into it yes to put more effort in it okay and so you can't you can't say it I also want to talk about your love for art. So when I first moved to Dessau, I rented an apartment and I had no money for any no f for anything. I had money for a kitchen, barely. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of my friends were donating furniture and Henrik brought over five or six pieces of art, uh, portraits, paintings, in frames, covered in brown paper, like they had been stored professionally for years. And we still have all of the artwork that you donated to our humble apartment. And uh, where did this, I, I, I've seen the inside of your apartment online, right, on a Zoom session, and I see pictures and, 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 and drawings and portraits everywhere. Like, where did this love of art come from? Is it tied in to your work as an archivist? Or is it something totally different? No, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm not an archivist, I'm a conservator. But it comes not really from this point. I, my experience is that art, maybe is it drawn art or spoken art or music sometimes it can tell you or give you an entrance to the world which is different from a normal logical thing okay sometimes there are things behind them and i found it especially in drawing arts that you that you see more then it's uh, drawing down. You get a feeling about, you get an idea about, you get something more about like you see. And therefore I, s I liked, or yeah. But I felt in love with collecting some things or with uh, have some things around me which gives me this impression or create my own world. Okay. Most people, when they go to a museum, they look at art and they go to the next portrait or they go to the next exhibit. But someone like you, I think art speaks to you, like you just described. Yeah, it where, can. Where did that come from? Yes, it can speak. That I doesn't happen know. to me. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, where does this, how do you learn? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, but but it doesn't mean that everything speaks to me. For example, I dislike jazz. I can't <laughs> deal with jazz, <laughs> but I like Wagner, what? for example. And uh, so it's of course specialized. But if you enter a gallery or a museum, it's always an Versprechen. It's always a promise to enter a world and you have always to promise you can discover something. Okay. You can discover something. And this is what I like. I, I know it for myself. There were exhibitions I stayed the whole day in just to read every single small subtitle under every single small item. Okay. But it's really, it sucks me in like... It's a promise. You can discover something. Okay, so when did this start? 
Like, how old were you when you became, when you started becoming fascinated yeah. by art yeah, and yeah. museums? I can remember when I was a child, I don't mean 10 years, 12 years, and this way, my parents and me, we visited Berlin, and I went with my father in the museum. Oh, and my parents, uh, they were really patient, <laughs> really patient with me. But at the end, they sat down and let me alone <laughs> and, and collect me after the museum closed. And yeah, uh, it's difficult to describe um, why I like it so much. What I really like is um, the paintings in the style of Impressionismus, Impressionism. Yeah, Impressionists. Impressionist. How did you come to appreciate art? Because many people don't appreciate it. Many people, they don't want to go, the last place they want to be is a museum. And that's one of the first places that you enjoy the most. Yes. Yes, of course. Are you an artist? Are you no, 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 no. I'm not an artist. I, uh, I, I'm not so skillful to draw something. Do, are you moved by it? Do you feel some sort of emotional connection to yes, it? Yes, you can. You can feel emotional things, and um, it's sometimes surprising. It's also depend on your on your life or on the on your personal condition mm -hmm. at the moment, what you can feel. Sometimes it speaks and sometimes it less speak or do not speak to you. Mm -hmm. You can't say it in, in such a way. And But I have the experience it can speak. Okay. It can speak and this make me lucky. Art works in a similar way, yes, of course, but art is just more calm and just more slowly. You have the time, and sometimes you need just to be alone with something, with an art item, mm -hmm. and then maybe it starts to discuss with you. Mm -hmm. uh, it needs more time. If you look a movie, the pictures are so slow, uh, so so fast. Right. The, the cuts are so fast, and um, but if you are in a museum or in a gallery, you are alone with them, and this is another connection, or can okay. be another connection. And even it doesn't speak to you, you still can say, "Oh, how skillful it is made." This is sometimes also something, uh, yeah. So I'm wondering if, is if you uh, impressionists usually work with oil, with oil colors. Okay. And I like the color itself. Mm -hmm. If you're so close on a picture, you won't see anything. You have to be a little distance mm -hmm. to the picture, okay. and then all this. Um, Colorful parts create a picture okay. and create sense and create a mood. Mm -hmm. But if you're so close, and this is also something I wonder, uh -huh. I, I wonder myself how you can paint a picture in a in a small distance, but it will be uh, came out. If you go away, and then you will see what it, what it is. Okay. But you have to paint it. Just the, the artist has the to art, paint. The artist has, has to paint it okay. in a much smaller distances. Uh -huh. Then it will be after words. See. That's part of the talent, right, of the yes, artist. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mm. Maybe they step back. Yes, of course. From time to time, they stand back and go uh, closer and uh, continue with work. Okay. But there's always, I think, there's always something which they are not could calculate okay. in their doing. Yeah. And maybe they are sometimes are angry and say, oh, <laughs> <laughs> if I had done <laughs> this in another way, it <laughs> would look better now okay. <laughs> when I go back. So art 
is connected to culture. Yeah, right? of course. When you decide, uh, do you purposely seek out certain types of art, like museums, let's say, in Europe? Yeah. Okay. So give us an example of... How, do you do you hear about a museum having a particular exhibition and you say, okay, I'm going to go to Paris this weekend? Yeah. Um, probably to Paris in the weekend to going is uh, <laughs> more or less... Not realistic? Yeah, not realistic. <laughs> but, but for example, uh -huh. it was years ago, maybe three years ago, there was in Düsseldorf... I think it was Düsseldorf, an uh, exhibition about autotics. Mm -hmm. Autotics is an, uh, an artist who painted for the New Sachlichkeit and he got some trouble during the NS time in mm -hmm. Germany. And then, but uh, the exhibition passed by and I didn't see it. And so I decided to go to the next point. It was Liverpool. <laughs> and, and I asked a friend of mine, shall we go to Liverpool right. to see Autodix? And so we did. So you have traveled internationally just to see an artist's work. Yeah, you can In say Great it. Britain. Yes, yes, you, 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 you can say it. Uh, no, that's super cool. It, 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 it was the point to say, let's go to Liverpool. And of course, uh, <coughs> To see Liverpool is is always uh, a reason enough, mm -hmm. but this was the point to say, let's do this step. Okay, is travel sort of or when you're when you're deciding on what country to visit or what uh, continent to visit, are you thinking about museums in general that you would like to visit? Uh, not, yeah, it can be part, it, ca it can be part of, of, of the plans mm -hmm. uh, to go or to visit a country. Yes, of course, it's uh, probably nothing is more boring for me to sitting down and to enjoy the sun at the beach. It can for a few hours, but then uh, my patience is over. Mm -hmm. uh, then I want to walk or to want to see something else and... Um, yeah, just to be curious of life or of things behind life, you could say to make it transparent. There's sometimes a second or third level behind things. Mm -hmm. yeah. When John Sue, when her sister came to visit us here, her sister is into Egyptian art and one of the things that she wanted to do is when we went to Berlin, we went to the news, news museum, the new museum. Mm. What is the mask, the sculpture, the centerpiece of that particular museum? Nofotheta. Yes. Yeah. Nofotheta, the wife of Echnaton. Right. Yeah, this was yeah former king of the in the ancient, ancient Egypt history. Mm -hmm. It was a special king <laughs> who introduced the monotheism and he got a lot of trouble. But, but of course the, couple, the trouble came up after his dying. Then uh, the priest of the polytheism before uh, turned it back okay. in, in, in the former status. And then everything of Echnaton was demolished and he was hidden away. And it was a really lucky day to find the sculpture of Nofretete. Mm -hmm. Because Nofretete and Echnaton, they also, there is also a special kind of um, making sculptures. Okay. They have an, another, uh, this is very slim faces and with the lips and so on. This is or it has something. So see, how do you know about that? I don't know anything. I mean, how would you know, I, I mentioned one particular piece, and you're giving me a historical background on, like, you know, this particular 
society in this particular time period. Does this come from working in the archive? No. Are you no, no. a historian? Like no. how? But how do you know these things? Like, are you just an avid? Are you oh. an avid reader? Oh, I'm, I'm. I'm not so a hard trying reader. Not of course. Um, uh, but Echnaton is just in my mind <laughs> because he was the first one who wanted to introduce the monotheism. Mm -hmm. And if you are a little related with the Christian religion, you know. This is also a kind of monotheism, but nobody liked to speak it out. Okay. That is not the invention okay. of the Christian or of the Jewish. Uh -huh. Of the Jewish, it comes from the Egyptians. Egypt time. Yeah. It was the first, you can say, experiment. The experiment failed, but the idea was born. Okay. So Eschaton say, look at the sky, there's the sun. The sun is the godness. This is only one. Mm -hmm. And this sun is shining over all of us. Okay. Uh, yeah, there are some parallels and you can point it out and sometimes you can think about such things. Why human being like to have such ideas? Mm -hmm. That's true. Let's go back to your Liverpool trip. Yeah. Was it worth it? Mm -hmm. Did you... When you saw the works, the, yeah. the artist's name is Otto Dix. Okay, Otto Dix. Yeah. yeah. So how many how many pieces were on exhibit? Oh, a lot. I think 40, 50. 40 or fifty. Um, was it from a private collector who was no sh showing it? Okay. Probably was uh, can a private the, the collection was at first shown in Germany. It can be. Private owners, but also owners, uh, state state owners mm -hmm. from public museums, and Otto Dix is um, influence. Or this is uh, the generation which attend the First World War. Okay. And if you attend this war with all this cruelness, with all this harmed persons and soldiers, and you lift. Uh, face to face with the dead and with the cruelness. So it's the paintings are mostly impressive. from World War One. Yes, of okay. course, of okay. course. You will see it. They are really, really extremely um, paintings where you have the feeling that he is uh, remembering and trying to find the exit okay. from this event. Was he a soldier in that war? Yes, of course. Okay. He was a soldier and a lot a lot of artists who attended this war were influenced on that what they are saw there mm -hmm. or felt there or survived. Okay. A lot of them. So that comes out in their paintings. It's a, yeah, it's a the kind. War. It's a kind of therapy uh -huh. they did by themselves. Okay. It's like a dream, like a nightmare, like a nightmare which goes through your daily life or through your daylight time. Mm -hmm. Is Otto Dix? When did he pass on? I think Otto Dix died at the end of the sixties. So he saw the Second World War too. Yeah, but not in this active way. He was a soldier. Then he was uh, not in his active way. We can point it, find it out by a dictionary. Mm -hmm. Okay, but he was fighting in World War One. Fighting in World War One, and his picture have. You can say the idea for a more peaceful and pacifistic way. He do not draw it, but he showed the cruelness. Okay. And everything it's going more in the way of to be ugly. Okay. Yes, and uh, this is a typical thing. He overdoing things and it goes in a in an ugly 
corner. Just a little. Um, you, you you can uh, draw something like realistic, like a photo. You can do it more in a sweet way, mm -hmm. and he's doing more with a getting la uh, ugly touch. Okay. Yeah. But this is intentionally. He did it intentionally. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, how do you think your language skills? Like your English is really good. Does it have anything to do with your love of art? Um, in in one case, yes. Okay. In one case, yes. It was in Dessau. Mm -hmm. I attended at the Ring, Wagner's opera. Mm -hmm cycle ring and next to me there were several ladies from the united kingdom okay and the whole cycle goes over days and during the break we start to speak to each other mm -hmm. and um, it was really nice it, it, and this was the point where i s said to myself i have to attend an english class Okay. Because I, I I want to be better uh, in conversation. If I have the chance, or it's what just accidentally that it was happen, and and afterwards we it was a time when in the UK the discussion about Brexit came up. Mm -hmm. So I sent it up by email a report from the Spiegel. Mm -hmm. There was a large report in the Spiegel and this report was bilingual. So <laughs> they could in England read what we think about the planned Brexit and the hopeness that they would not do it. Right. And uh, this was a, a good con conversation. Mm -hmm. Even the English is not perfect and whatever. And uh, another and another uh, visit of an opera I think it was in Leipzig, could be also in Dessau. The conductor requested us to stand up before they started. And the reason was there was a musician, he played the violin and he died accidentally a few hours before by a traffic accident. He was riding the, the, the bicycle. Okay. And next to me, there were again audiences from the united kingdom and he didn't understand what will what goings on but he did it as we did it mm -hmm. we stand up and we were silent for a few minutes and then he asked me and then i ex explained it to him and then he saw to the neighbor to him the gentleman said to me and the gentleman That mm -hmm. was I, and I was proud. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I do not need English for my daily life or for the profession or whatever, but in such cases, uh, it's so helpful and it's so good to have and to can, uh, to can talk or to have an exit to social life. Mm -hmm. It's so important. And, uh, and, I appreciate it. Do you think, so I think your work with historical documents is very sophisticated. And I think you're also very sophisticated because you are interested in art and culture. Do you think by you speaking English, does that add a level of sophistication to you, to your identity? No, I'm not trying to say like you're like, you know, bourgeois, but by speaking English in those particular, like that guy called you a gentleman, right? And you might have felt something like, hey, I'm a gentleman yeah. in this, you know, but yeah. that's what you are. I mean, that's what, that's what you would, that's what you would be called. Yeah. Um, if he said, of course, he used a very polite form, mm -hmm. but I had a feeling in this moment, I was part of the society, mm -hmm. of this small community, of this small bench mm -hmm. in the House of Opera, mm -hmm. where I was sitting next to English speakers, to native English speakers. And 
this was the bridge. Okay. This was the bridge for me and for him. Okay. Yeah. Of course, you can speak English because you need it. You need it if you want to order a meal, you want to hire a car, you want to order uh, accommodation at night or whatever. But for me, is speaking in English not only to speak about technical things. It's also a bridge or entrance, entrance in the social world. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, and to attend an English course is not at first, of course, you. I should be trying more harder and such things, but I just want to keep the language open. The future is open, and I don't know what will happen in the future. Probably I won't emigrate to New Zealand or to <laughs> Austria, but it can happen uh, that... Someone asked me something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I met, for example, a, a few French, you can say, young person, offsprings, whatever, mm -hmm. at a petrol station. Okay. They were a little lost. <laughs> lost at a petrol station. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but, but. That sounds like a work, uh, that sounds like a title of a piece of art. Right. Yeah, Lost yeah. at the petrol station. Yeah, and so I could uh, <coughs> I could order something to eat for them. Yeah. They were hungry and probably they had not slept at night. Yeah. They are uh, stay there for hours <laughs> waiting for a car who take them uh, to the next station or whatever. They were hitchhiking. Yeah, okay. yeah, probably yes, yeah. yes, and, and 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 these are the contacts. Uh, which I keep in my brain. Okay. Yeah. Also <coughs> when when I was in, in England mm -hmm. for three years, there was a small conversation with a dog holder. Mm -hmm. He has a dog. <laughs> and I used to have a dog years ago. So I'm familiar with dogs. And so we started to talk about dogs. Yeah, small talk, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just a small talk. Perfect. It's uh, nothing important, but but this was the entrance to be uh, part of a social life to communicate yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and therefore and therefore i think it's yeah it's necessary just to speak one language one other language next to your mother tongue to get a feeling not to get lost in this world okay That's a good point, not to get lost in the world. Yeah. If Have you been to America? Uh, 30 years ago. Of, uh, it was shortly after the reunification. Mm -hmm. And I was there as a substitute of my boss. Mm -hmm. And he sent me. And my English was so poor. But I, I sit in the conference next to someone who was from Nigeria <laughs> and afterwards uh, or during the conference we created the idea I visit him and we and he visit and we and he visit me in Germany and so we did and that's uh, how you I met mean, that guy you met that guy in America yeah yeah okay yeah at the conference I didn't understand hardly nothing <laughs> So we both were, were sitting on the last war and my strategy was to survive without speaking because my English, I, I felt not so comfortable and therefore I tried to avoid to speak English. Okay. But the, the gentleman next to me started the conservation and uh, he asked me some questions and some questions I didn't understood and so he wrote them down. Patiently, okay. I picked up words in the dictionary I didn't know, and then I answered. And so, step by step, the conservation grew. We did it silent, silently because it was in the conference, okay. so we couldn't talk loudly. But we we started it, and it and I was lucky because he was so patient, and he was warm-hearted, mm -hmm. and so we couldn't go along. 
And at the end, we got such a good connection that we decided to make a small project. It means to visit each other. Uh, he would come to Germany mm -hmm. for four weeks and I could go to Nigeria for four weeks. So we started this on the on a private platform and uh, the basis was to come closer by talking. Okay. Human being want to talk, want to know who is the person next to you. Okay. How many days were you at that conference in the States? A few days, maybe three or four. I don't so know. in two or three days, based on that one conversation, sitting next to your friend, who would become your friend, yeah, yeah. you went to Nigeria. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and he came here to visit you. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did it uh, voluntarily, yeah. and, and of course he got... Um, we organized, we organized this mm -hmm. visit in Germany. So uh, yeah, but after two days of meeting someone, who does that? Like that, that's a special person. Yeah, and uh, if I look back, the visit of Nigeria um, was so important for me. Yeah. yeah, because you see another part of the world which is so different from us. Mm -hmm. And if you want to understand the world or to get an idea how large the world is or could be, with all these problems and with all these different landscapes and everything. Mm -hmm. So you need, yeah, so you need to go from time to time in another part. Maybe at the moment, because of the uh, climate changing and all the discussions is getting more and more difficult or it's not so fashionable or whatever, but to get an experience of about the world you have to see to smell to touch to be there with all your senses mm -hmm. i agree yeah uh, sometimes just watching a tv movie it's too less yeah doesn't work yeah can't feel it can't see it yeah yeah can't understand it can't acknowledge it it's not real uh, yeah uh, the imagination we get over a screen is really good but this is just the imagination and mm -hmm. not the thing itself well put it's uh, and sometimes it, it seems like it is but it isn't What city were you in when you went to the States? Near New York. Okay, so yeah. did you check out some museums in New York? There were no time. We, the, the conference um, place in my, in my background mm -hmm. was near West Point, okay. the academy. Uh -huh. so Annapolis. I was just one day in New York mm -hmm. because my suitcase traveled... <laughs> Not so quick than I. <laughs> so I, I had to wait, and it was not planned to uh -huh. stay one night in New York okay. just to wait for my suitcase. Okay. I got it, and I can remember I, I, I did a walk out, mm -hmm. and I reached the, the Lincoln mm -hmm. statue. Okay. It was really impressive. It was really. This, this this monument where where he is sitting on 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 a wheel sh on, on, on on a chair. Washington. Washington. It was in Washington. Not so New York, right? Not, not yeah, New yeah, York. yeah. Because right. you said Annapolis. Annapolis is in Maryland. Yeah. Okay, so you were okay. The typical one where he is sitting. Uh, yeah, the Lincoln uh, Memorial. Okay. Lincoln Memorial. It's impressive. It's a big yes, statue. It and I was once the Lincoln Memorial. And I was also in New York, I can remember. Okay. I was staying in Manhattan. Same trip. The same trip. I was staying in Manhattan and I was so lucky that the the town is so simple to understand. <laughs> Everything is in right angle. Yeah. You have streets and avenues. Yeah. You can't get lost. 
Yeah. If you think at our towns, which started building at medieval time, mm -hmm. where is no right angle, there is small, narrow streets or whatever, and Manhattan was so easy to uh, to go along. Yeah. The Lower East Side of Manhattan can be confusing. I've gotten lost around there, but you're right. For the most part, it's just a grid. Yeah. Right? It's almost yeah. impossible to get lost. Yeah, yeah. And I was surprised about the weather. It was marvelous. Yeah, okay. Well, really a nice weather. And yeah, and then I could understand why the emigrants settled down <laughs> on this place. <laughs> Ellis Island is actually the next time. Are you planning? Do you think you'll plan to go back? Ellis Island, I think you would be interested in the new Ellis Island Museum. Uh, it's fantastic. Like it, yeah, where yeah. people came over to register. Uh, not at the moment, I don't have any plans. Mm -hmm. um, probably I would go to the United Kingdom because it's much closer, mm -hmm. the afford is much lower. You just, even you could go by car, but, but I have my the problems. Uh, of the there's lots of museums yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been to the Guggenheim I've been to the yeah. New York I, no. I've been to many museums in New York but again I'm not to the MoMA I've been to the MoMA mm. uh, two or three times and uh, yeah I mean I appreciate it but I don't respect it I don't appreciate it like you do Right. I mean, I will go and I will go for certain pieces like certain like, you know, when I went to Nigeria as well, I was interested in African art and I'll go to the arts, you know, the galleries maybe that are featuring like African artists and yeah. or native North American. I, you know, there's museum. Muse I mean, dude, like Washington, D.C., the Smithsonian's. Right. I mean, they're unbelievable. And I've been to the latest like African not African, the Native North American Museum opened up a couple of years ago, or maybe like I've, or maybe I've never been there. Maybe we should go to we should go to the states together. We we'll go to Washington together, and we'll go to some museums. Yes, kind of guys. Why, you know, not? why not? You know, yes, why not? Life yeah. is short. Yes, interesting. Um, for someone who's listening right now, right, who. Uh, might be in a similar situation, you know, wants to, to learn English, wants to improve their language skills. What advice would you give them? How, what, you're motivated, obviously, like, like you said. You want to be able to communicate with humanity, people in our societies, right? What advice would you give someone right now who is, you know, they lack that motivation Maybe they lack that sort of discipline, you know, to start studying English or trying to improve their English. What would you say to them right now? Um, maybe that learning English should be fixed on that what you like to do, like on a hobby or what you are interested in. And in my experience, uh, the most progress you can make is by making mistakes. Okay. Yeah. Also, uh, when, when I talk to someone, I always think afterwards about my own mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I'm <laughs> really angry <laughs> when I realize that I have used wrong words or such things. And these things are uh, sticked on feelings and if something is sticked on emotions mm -hmm. you will keep it longer yeah and so if you have a contact with real person in a hotel whatever with a uh, in the subway or whatever it will keep in your mind much more intensive than only doing it in a classroom because this is serious, this is real life, mm -hmm. this is not longer playing. And you had an interaction, like you, yes, communi of you communicated. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is real life. I, I, I can remember when I was, uh, I think, 30 years ago in London, mm 
um, probably I looked like a tourist or a stranger or whatever. And then suddenly an officer come to me, not a police officer, an officer from the from the railway, from the tube. Mm-hmm. And he asked me about what I feel, if I feel safe or whatever, like a survey. Okay. Uh-huh. And then we start to talk. And Interesting. Yes, and, and but in, in, in such things, you keep it longer. Mm-hmm. The words, the mistakes, and also <laughs> <laughs> the, the right words. Yeah, because uh, the other person was helping me mm-hmm. to impress myself mm-hmm. to the questions. Yeah. 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 If he had just walked by you and never said anything to you, you might not remember him today. But since you had a conversation, you can recall that conversation. Yeah. Even if it was about survey, but then it carried on to something else, like yeah, you yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was an officer. He was black. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say that I have tried to read a book. And the book was called The Butcher Boy. Okay. But butcher, I also always pronounce it butcher. But it should be pronounced it butcher. Okay. But at the end, we got it. <laughs> he realized that I, <laughs> that I uh, was trying to say butcher. Yeah, yeah. Trying to say butcher. Yeah. And, and 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 so these are the things that's keeping in your mind. Mm-hmm. So I always will know that it doesn't. Will pronounce butcher. It will pronounce butcher. <laughs> I will. <laughs> no pronunciation. Yeah, it's important. But I think I don't. I don't. That happens to me a lot, and I don't know if it's because. Well, it's because English is my native language, right? You kind of know what people want to say. Yeah, I mean, he did. He did. He he didn't correct you, or did he correct you? At the end, he corrected me because okay. he, he didn't know what, what, I, what I said. And okay. then we tried as long we could find a solution. Okay, then my point doesn't make sense. But normally when someone's trying to say something to me and they might mispronounce something, I, know, I still know exactly what they want or yeah. what they're trying to say. Yeah. I would have gotten butcher. Yeah. But that's because I, you know, I live in countries where English is not the native language. So I'm always listening to... Uh, non-native speaking English. And so that helps me better understand what people are trying to say. That's what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a good thing. That's a, you know, that's a good story to end on. Yeah? Yes. What do you think? Yeah. Well, Henrik, thank you so much for coming you're, in you're today. Welcome. Yeah, it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Enlingua Podcast, live from Dessau. We hope you stay tuned for more episodes.